Greetings, and welcome to the RPG Review Board Podcast. You are listening to episode 23. In this episode, we join two of the judges in Chambers. We listen in to a conversation in progress in which judges Adam and Case talk about editions of RPGs. They talk about how and why new editions are created, the divisiveness they can cause, and how a gaming group may wish to consider different editions when preparing to run a table. Join us as the board convenes in support of the betterment of tabletop gaming. Come now, the honorable representatives of the RPG Review Board. I had proposed this topic, and I think we can take it a number of different ways, but it occurred to me there's there's a lot of conversation right now, or at least there seems to be, and maybe you, I think you might spend a little more time on Reddit than I do, but there seems to be conversation now about moving towards a sixth edition, or at least a new, yeah. a revised fifth. Um, I hear varying things. Yeah, there's not a lot of information about it, but sometime in 2024, they did they did mention that sometime in 2024 they were going to release updated rules. And so there's will it be sixth edition or will it be kind of like three five where some of it was backwards compatible? Right. Yet to be seen. Yet to, yeah. So, but but these things always spark constant debate. I don't know. I think it might be useful to have a conversation just about editions of rpgs we did we did fairly recently play castles and crusades which was a kind of callback to an earlier version of the rules in some ways and i myself am interested in the old school renaissance which does a lot with um, older versions of the rules and so i thought that we might have a conversation about the whole edition wars because D&D isn't the only one who that does this, right? It's just the biggest it's the biggest game and so therefore it's the one that most people talk about. But let's start with I guess what edition did you start with? Yeah, I actually haven't had a beginnings episode. So Oh, um, that's true. Oh, hey, we yeah, we can odd number we, of people. This so. is we can this is our stealth beginnings episode. Um there we yeah, go. Yeah, very sneaky. So I started playing like actual codified rules for RPGs around 1995. That was around the same time that the revised edition of second edition came. Okay. Yeah. So around the time where I could drive myself somewhere and spend my own hard earned money from mowing lawns or whatever uh, on things, I was buying RPG. Okay. And the ones that were put in front of my face at retail sellers was the new revised edition of second edition. So that had to have been around 95, 96. So these would have been those black covered books with the red kind of borders. Yeah, that's right. I still have them kicking around here. You got it. Okay. And so that's kind of where we cut our teeth. And and like uh, just a summary of, of that sort of experience was very similar to the experience that have already been shared in that, you know, I was a teenager. I don't know that we played it correctly, but we did reference the rules sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we we used the general sort of chassis, but who knows what we actually did. We had a blast doing it, and looking back at it now as I flip through it, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia there. Was it my favorite edition of D&D? Probably not, uh, right. as far as the actual rule set goes, but I have a lot of really fond memories from playing that. Yeah. No, I think there's... There is something about that first RPG that, regardless of how good it is, it's stuck in your brain as the first one, and so it always has this kind of aura around it. So AD&D, and did you, 
when third edition came along, what was your impression of it? Were you excited, trepidatious? Like, what was the thought process? Do you remember? Yeah, I I do remember when it came out. We weren't playing as often uh, during that time, so that would have been high school time. And so I don't know that I was too cool to do it. I certainly was not. But with girls and sports and all the other things, we did not play RPGs as much. In fact, I would say third edition is the edition that I have played the least. Oh, really? um, Interesting. For for that reason. Now, later, you're probably going to ask me what my current favorite system is. And I might answer something like Pathfinder, which is obviously based on three or three five. On third, yeah. um, And have... Have, have a bazillion hardcover books in first edition Pathfinder, and I've sure. played a boatload of Pathfinder. Um, but yeah, I, I missed out on a lot of that. We didn't find the need to like transition to it. When you would mm-hmm. go to a game store um, back then, there wasn't a lot of like in-store gaming as much as perhaps there is now, or at least you know pre-COVID days. But I didn't see it as much, at least when I was was growing up. And so you know, my group was very insular and. You know, to the extent that we got on the internet, we were researching the stuff that we were already doing. So mm. anyway, that's a long answer to your question in that I didn't didn't really feel the need to move to third. I did really like the skill system that was sort of baked in and codified into the rules. Uh-huh. I thought that uh, third edition's introduction to the skill list gave you sort of some agency when you're leveling your player up, put ranks into skills that you thought would help tailor your, your character as you leveled up. Oh, I really yeah. Liked that. Sure. And I think there may have been an optional rule in, in AD&D 2nd Edition for, for an actual skill list. Uh, but 3rd Edition sort of made it a, a feature. Yeah, 2nd Edition had the, the non per, non-weapon proficiencies. I remember being very limited. You got them, but there wasn't... They were relatively static. And 3rd Edition, like, as you said, every time you went up a level, you could, you could dump points somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool. Also, feats. Feats were a big deal in 3rd edition. Oh, yeah. No, feats were definitely a big deal. You know, it's it's funny. I I encountered 3rd edition having come from other games. And I, I said this in my, in, in my origin story thing that we did uh, with Heidi and I a while back. But um, Mom was not too keen on D&D just because, like many parents, she had heard things about it, right? And mm-hmm. was okay with me playing RPGs in general, but just wasn't sure about the D&D thing. And uh, so I ended up playing a lot of other RPGs first because I wasn't allowed to bring D&D books home. And later she stopped caring about that and, you know, it was no big deal. But um, I come by the time I got to D&D and was reading, like, AD&D, a lot of this stuff just didn't make sense to me. Like, you know, what do you mean if I'm a I'm a dwarf I I can't be a cleric above level nine or whatever it was you know there were all of these yeah to me very arbitrary limitations on what you could do and so when third edition came along that was the edition that I grabbed onto and played because all of those things all the things that I objected to were fixed if you want to be a dwarf cleric no problem you know do as much dwarf clericing as you would like. And it's, it's funny, so you missed 3rd, and I think 3rd is the edition I've played most of. Like, now, if you say, if, if you include Pathfinder, which you can very easily make a claim that it's just 3.x, mm-hmm. then you, you might have played as just as much 3rd as, much, uh, as I have. But yeah, I played, I played a lot of 3rd. 
and got really comfortable with that rule set and really used to it. So the reason I think that this is this is an interesting conversation is because there's inevitably that moment when you learn that your rule set is going to get an update. And it's interesting because it's different than it would be in other types of gaming. So for instance, if, if you're playing a video game and there is an update, well, it's an update, it's kind of a universal update, right? You open up your, your game box and the update, the update downloads and now everybody's playing on sort of the same field. But RPGs aren't really games in that way. I think is the uh, RPG historian John Peterson has said, they're more like do-it-yourself game kits, right? So nobody plays yeah. an RPG quite, you know, rules as written. And so exactly. when you come across as like, hey, there's going to be a new edition. And we're talking about D&D just because it's the biggest one. But other long-running RPGs have editions as well. Then what you're not, you're not, you're not changing the game that everyone plays. Hey, now we're playing it this way. You're changing that kit slightly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that always brings up a lot of feelings. And I think I've mentioned in our Star Wars episodes, you know, you mentioned you're not into Star Wars and Nathan really is into Star Wars. And one of the throwaway lines that I had was that whenever you have somebody who's really invested in something, a fan base, particularly nerd culture, um, they get very passionate about mm -hmm. it. And so when you invest in something, either financially or emotionally or both, it's just human nature that your brain seeks to validate that investment and so you know from yes. a psychology standpoint arguing for your your version your preferred version is you know it's validation of self versus versus like persuasion of another right so validation of self versus persuasion of another they're very symbiotic they feed <laughs> off of each other and they are they are forever entwined so when i'm trying to convince you second edition is the best edition you don't need fifth edition get that out of here that's garbage it's it's half me trying to convince you and half me trying to convince myself and validate my investment. <laughs> right, right. Because, yeah, because as nerds, we spend a whole lot of money on these things, right? And then it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. hey, a new edition is coming out and uh, you're going to have to buy new books and all new books and rules. And it's like, I thought you told me that I could do anything with this game and now I have to get a new set of rules I can do anything with? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, when you, were, when you were saying that, you were saying that as a stock standard nerd and maybe not as case. Oh, I've got to buy new books, but let's maybe talk about briefly what happens and what doesn't happen when a new version or a new edition of your favorite RPG is released. What doesn't happen? It does not make the text in your old books disappear like a photograph of Marty right. McFly from Back to the Future. <laughs> right. So it's important to note that those books that you purchased and are emotionally attached to and that are your Chase Bank account says that you purchased at $60 a pop, they're still playable. You haven't lost money. It's true. Right. There's going to be fewer products released from the publisher. But as we've seen from some of your experience in OSR, that doesn't mean there's not going to be new content. It may right. come from third-party licensing, and it may be fantastic and maybe even as good or better than from the publisher as it gets uh, iterated upon by its yeah. fan base. So what does happen? Probably less support for your favorite version from the publisher. Right. So that that does happen. What doesn't happen is those words don't disappear from from the books right. and you can still use that book and play it. That's part of our whole jam. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, and and you know the the funny thing is again to to make reference to video games like I have to work if I want to play say 
the original Super Mario Brothers, I actually have to work kind of hard. Like, I would need to, you know, to, to even to get a, a regular Nintendo system to work on a modern television right. would be some effort, right? Now uh-huh. they've got emulators and things like that, but you don't need to patch an older version of the game. Like, but yeah, you're right. The words are still there. Like, it's still the game that mm-hmm. you remember. You can still play it. And there's no, yeah, there's there's nothing. The, the only thing that really happens is that I think there's this feeling that, like, like you said, that your game isn't going to be supported. But there's this, it's like, well, yeah, but you had all this stuff from the previous game. You, did you use all of that? Is that completely used up? No. I think it is more like there must be something with this, like the feeling of abandonment, you know? Um, Sure. Yes, yes. Everyone else is moving on. Right. Everyone else is moving. Now, whether or not that's true is beside Mm -hmm. the point. And, you know, if everyone else is just people who aren't at your table, then who cares? We, I think we sometimes forget how, you know, in this modern world of like streaming and things like that, how individualistic actual table play is. It's like, there's only the game at your table. Let's, let's be honest. But there is that feeling that's like, well, everyone else is moving along, you know, this is the new hotness. And I get excited when new additions come out. There is a, a certain amount of... It, Actually, that brings up a, a, a point. I, I do get excited because I want to see what, what they've changed. And from my perspective as a sort of a forever DM, usually what I'm thinking about is, you know, I've played the current edition for X amount of time. And these, you know, these rules or this particular part of the rules drives me absolutely nuts. And so a new edition is like, oh, are they going to fix that thing that I don't like? Uh, or or are they going to address this glaring hole the, uh, in the gameplay? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so there is some excitement. Yeah, and you know you, it makes you wonder sometimes if a new version of an RPG comes out and it is a significant enough change to the standard mechanics, if they didn't call it version N plus one, if it would have been better received. I think a great example of that is probably the most divisive version of D&D, 4th Edition. If when 4th Edition came out, they didn't call it Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition and instead called it Dragon Combat, Dragon Tactical Combat, or something like that, that it, perhaps it wouldn't have left such a sour taste in, in people's mouths because it was a departure from what they were uh, used to. Yeah. And so, you know, you get this you get this thing where yes, I feel invested in it, but that's a whole different game. So, they called it the same name as my game, and it's a new version and now I'm frustrated. If they called it something else, War Warcraft game whatever, you you yeah. would have been, you know, well within your rights to try it out, maybe you'd enjoy it and you wouldn't have been so frustrated by the experience. Right, right. Well, and that that brings up the whole business side, I guess, of additions, right? So, from the point of view, I think, of the company, there's a lot to like about putting on a new edition, right? Because it is, um, if, you, if you look at sales on RPG books, they, the drivers of the sales tend to be the core books, whatever the core is. Mm-hmm. And then everything else has got a high, a high initial pickup and then a very long, low tail, right? So if I put out a new yeah. supplement on, say you know, fighters or something like that. I'm going to sell the lion's share of the copies that I sell. I'm going to sell in the first month or so, and then it's going to just be residuals after that. But for the core books, 
well, people need the core books to play the game. And so there's always, you know, it's it's a great thing to, you know, to infuse more capital back into your, your company. And it's like, all right, put out a new rule set. Everybody's got to buy the new updated rule set and we're off to the races. So it, it does make sense. And if you think about fourth, fourth was so different. So on the one hand, it's like, well, we want everybody to switch over to the new edition. All right, fair enough. From a business standpoint, that makes sense. But if it is if it is so different from the last edition, you know, you're all you're never going to please everybody. Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if it's so incredibly different that people feel like they were they've somehow been tricked. Right, like you said, if it had come out and been like, you know, this is a D and D in an alternate universe, or you know, an alternate way of playing D and D, there might not have been as much pushback. It's like, okay, well, it's just a different way to do it, but you also wouldn't have got the sales, right? Uh, good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so you know, you have been a big champion, of course, putting this group together for the RPG Review Board, and just sort of a champion in general of of people exposing themselves to new. RPGs, and this is sort of the the point, whether it's a new edition of that version or a new game altogether, picking the right tool for the job. Right. Um, talk to your players, talk to the GM, and pick the right right tool for the job. If you have a nail, you need a hammer. If you show up with a wrench, eh, you may be able to do it, but you're going to scrape your knuckles or whatever right. the right way to end that metaphor is. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, perhaps... Perhaps D and D is the right tool for your for your needs, uh, but don't just pick up the hammer because it's on top of the toolbox, right? Yeah. So maybe second edition is what after you've talked to your group, maybe that's the version you want, or fourth, maybe fourth is is the edition you want if you got a you know combat tactical combat heavy team and that's really what they want to involve themselves with, and so yeah, you know, there's different tools out there for you. Do you feel like, because I know you collect board games to some extent. I don't know if your collection mm-hmm. is as big as Nathan's or bigger, but you've got a pretty decent uh, Oh, yeah. Collection. Uh, easily thousands plus. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I kind of like about board games, especially if you're, once you've gotten into the board game world, there is this kind of shorthand language for uh, board games that, exists i think in a in a embryonic form in discussions of rpgs so for instance if you if i say i just bought a new board game and you say okay what kind is it and i tell you worker placement you already know a mm-hmm. whole bunch about that game or if i say oh it's a trick taking card game or it's you know it's a resource management game you got a lot of of information there that is sh- built into the shorthand language uh for board games and i don't feel like rpgs quite have that yet and i feel like they should you know we we can do something we say like well mostly people talk about genre in rpgs Mm -hmm. but they don't say like well the most i can say is like oh it's a rules like game or you know to a certain extent you can say well it's a powered by the apocalypse or it's apocalypse like that's referring to specific systems but i don't know have you seen is there more language out there about these these kind of genres of RPGs that I'm aware of? Oh, maybe not. You know, that's actually a really good point. I haven't given it a lot of thought, but you're you're right in that there's this sort of shorthand for people who are discussing it who you can with a few words really impart a lot of knowledge about what the game's all about. 
And yeah, I think I think it's definitely not on par with board gaming. Yeah. If there is, you know, search search the tags in RPG Geek or or your favorite review site. Yeah. Um or digital download site and I'm sure there are but you're right they t- they do tend to lean towards the setting and and when I say it's a worker placement game well stone age is set in ancient past but you know a lot of you know it could be a space game or whatever I haven't told you about the setting yet I've told you about how the mechanics work so right. yeah you're right we don't we don't really have the language yet and and maybe it is and it's just you know it's just not hit my ears yet but we do need that I think that's a really valuable piece yeah, I think you know. I just think about they're they're in some ways, Paleomythic and Everway, are similar in that they're both dealing with a kind of pre-industrial, almost like beginnings of civilization or pre-civilization kind of setting, mm-hmm. but they are so completely different that one does not exchange for the other in any real way. Yeah, and so I don't know that I I, I feel like you said choosing the right game is important and that's why we're doing what we're doing but it has a lot less to do with with genre which is where we tend to talk about uh, rpgs it's like oh it's a sci-fi rpg or it's a mystery rpg and much less about the the mechanics itself i think that also might might come into some of the maybe not consciously but into some of the furor and and kind of emotional aspect of the edition wars is that people are sold on a new edition of a of a game you know it's like okay well they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna fix the things that i don't like or or let you know i want to see the updated you know stuff has been streamlined things like that but if the game is a different game that doesn't always reveal itself right away you don't really understand the issues of say fourth edition until you're kind of into it and playing it. You're like, okay, this is this is a very different... It's not 3rd edition, and it's not 2nd. Now, I, I find 4th edition very interesting. I don't hate it in the way that some people do. But you're right in that it doesn't feel like the other D&Ds. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, you know, if I were to put my other hat on, you know, you have the people who say 4th edition. Very obviously, if you've played it, it's not like 3rd. 3rd, 3-5... And then they release fourth, and you're like, this is a very different edition. And then you go to fifth, and fifth is like, well, it's definitely different than fourth. And in a lot of ways, I could go on for hours about how they're different. And then I could change my hat and say, here's how they're similar. All the folks True. who say fourth edition are is frustrating because everybody had a power. You had at will, encounter, and daily, and daily powers. Everybody had those. Well, it's kind of like Scooby-Doo. If we, if we lift fifth edition's mask off underneath there's still some fourth edition stuff under there right it's we lift true. the hood and we say all of your abilities that are per short rest those are encounter powers all those abilities that are renewed after a long rest those are daily powers yeah. and your your at wills are are things yeah we, now we've even introduced a proficiency bonus so things that you can do a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus those are your at will powers we have another dial to to tweak there and that's innovation and innovation and iteration is a good thing and that's why in addition to making money that's why uh we end up releasing a new edition and if you're taking feedback from your player base then you a new edition is inevitable yeah or at least a rules update is inevitable yeah, although one of the things that the OSR sort of demonstrated was that was that iteration can sometimes involve change that is arguably improvement, right? 
So mm-hmm. I think that none of us would want to go back to uh, maybe older versions of Excel. Like, new one's pretty yeah, good. Right. But there were things about the older editions of of the game that actually, once they were fixed, they had no... Uh, th- there was a significant change into the, to the way that that affected the play of the game that, you know, that w- revealed itself with time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking about, for instance, the difference between basic D&D and AD&D was that races could have classes, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and that, you know, to a certain extent, that's answering a, 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 a probably a, a, a player question. It's like, well, why can't I... Why can't I play my dwarf cleric or my halfling monk or whatever? You know, I, I want to be able to take these two things and combine them in some interesting way. But as soon as you do that, you know, if, if there are no solutions, only trade-offs, then as soon as you do that, you make humans unexceptional because the humans were the things that could be all these different classes. And... Mm. One of the things that has been notable about uh, various editions of D&D is how hard the designers have to sort of work to get you to want to play a human. Like, because you you don't have dark vision, you don't have, you know, cool abilities or anything like that. And so it's like, oh, I'll give you an extra feat or we'll give you extra bonuses at first level. Like it's it's like uh, Mm -hmm. it's like they're trying to to tempt you in the door. It's like, come on, be a human. Come on, do it for us. You know, but uh, like that's an unintentional consequence. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And I I do think that, you know, a lot of times the the rules changes seem seem like they're they're arbitrary, but there's probably a lot of discussion with oh, people yeah. in suits in a, in a, you know, these aren't just nerds. They are nerds, but they wear a suit and tie to work and they work on this really hard. Oh, yeah. So there are game designers out there who it is their job to make sure that they're doing the best for it, for oh, yeah. the purpose of their game. And when you get to the table and you're like, oh, they, you know, I as, used to play a human fighter and I had like my meal as a human fighter was a, a steak with all the sides. And now humans aren't as interesting. It's now here's a, you know, a, handful of checks mix and you get a feet okay cool and you feel you feel let down but but what that interacts with there's so many moving parts in an rpg oh yeah uh, and so what that interacts with is sometimes takes a while to understand and sometimes that cycle is five to six years of playing it you'll see or maybe a decade you'll see the rhythm of the of the releases of different versions of just D in particular is you know seven or eight years and there's a new one out the door Oh, yeah. And a lot of times it takes that long to sort of figure out what's wrong with it and come up with codified rules to sort of try to find a way to, to fix it. And there's it's not just one brain out there working on it. Oh, yeah. Things. Well, God love these designers. I mean, the, the, all the work and effort that they put into this is, is really is impressive. And, and, and yeah, you're, you're, you're turning over these rule sets that, you know, you worked hard on to people who win, will inevitably find some loophole you, you didn't imagine or you know, uh, some ambiguity that seemed obvious to you. And yeah, that's, it's, um, the obvious next step there is, well, then you fix it. And we live in a really exciting time of RPGs because a self-published RPG warts and all can be done by one person now. Um, So it doesn't have to be a boardroom full of people. And so if you find a way to fix it, uh, you can do it. 
if you want to put the effort into it. And so that's why I think it's really exciting. This innovation boom coupled with the technology that supports its distribution is just a fantastic time to be involved in the hobby because there's so many creative minds out there. And the threshold to entry is, is lower than it's ever been. Yeah, and, and the amount of ideas that are coming out and people are, you know, putting out just really interesting things. You know, even stuff that I'm like, well, I'm never going to play this, but I'm glad someone is doing this because it's it's really a proliferation of a lot of different uh, ideas and styles. I was going to ask you, so you said you played a lot of Pathfinder, so you you got yeah. back in when you got back into D and D you got back into Pathfinder is that what happened? Yeah. So when I picked things back up, college and even after college, Pathfinder was hot, and I found a lot of people who were playing Pathfinder. They introduced me to it. I even I played played you know kitchen table games with those folks and a lot of Pathfinder that way. I also got involved with Pathfinder Society, which is their organized play. I even have a couple of GM stars through the Pathfinder Society GMing first first edition with their organized play. So in the same way that you have D and D nights organized play on Wednesday nights at your friendly local gaming store, Pathfinder Society has organized play as well. And uh, got a chance to make sure to hit the table and roll some dice with like minded people that way. So, you know, play two different sessions, uh, you know, twice over the weekend. And, you know, that's two to four times every week that you're getting a session in. And that was a lot of Pathfinder during my college and post-college days. Yeah, I th- that sounds a lot. When I was when I was hitting third pretty hard, it was pretty hard. It was third all the time. And I mean, I got to have those that stuff down like I that was a complex system. And I. I understood it. That was a lot. It was a lot of play. What did you think about Pathfinder 2nd Edition? Uh, I was actually pretty excited about it. There, There is something compelling to me about a closed system. The fact that it's all ready to go and wrapped up. Now with Pathfinder, that means thousands of books, but mm-hmm. it's all there and you can get it and it's, it's not going to change again. And so in some ways, having a system that's closed and not iterating anymore, there is something interesting about that is that once you know it, you know it. And once you've internalized that paragraph from that book, you don't have to think again about it. And you've internalized that that rule. Um, now, Pathfinder is particularly complex, but but I, I don't want to discount the idea that like it's done. And so you can collect it all. And if you're a completionist, you can go get it all and you can internalize it all and play that game in its sort of completed state. Was I excited for second edition? Absolutely. Um, and I have it. I just don't have as much of it percentage-wise as I do of the uh, first edition. But but yeah, I thought it was cool. That, you know, when you play a lot of it, as you mentioned, you start to see some of the warts and you start to see, ah, oh, I see they improved this, but this thing still really is a little janky or I wish the action economy would blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And you see some of your questions answered in new editions and that's exciting to me. Yeah. I, I really do like what they did with, with uh, second edition Pathfinder's action economy. I... That's the way that you answer that question is actually really uh, fascinating because you your your response to my question where you how did you feel about the second edition was to talk about first edition more but talk about it <laughs> yeah. as a closed unit and that's that's really interesting mm-hmm. because you can say in a certain sense I guess there's a there's a satisfaction in a new edition if you don't intend to move on to it in just saying mm-hmm. okay. I never have to worry about another supplement coming out and messing with this system, 
right? Mm -hmm. It is what it is, and it will never be anything more. Another thing is, uh, if at my table, my grappling rules, for example, are set (laughs) this way and I do it this way, if that means they're never going to write a rule that's worse or different than mine, and so at my table, this is how I do it. This is how it Um, goes. And so the system is closed, and you don't have to be walking on eggshells that a fundamental piece of your homebrew or your house rule is going to get flummoxed by a new supplement. That's an attractive thing. Okay, last, my last question is, we've talked about this as an iterative process, and and there's kind of pluses and minus here. What do you think about, there's there's a couple of of, um, companies out there, so we played Castle's Crusades from Troll Lord, but they're not the only ones who do this. What do you think about these these companies who kind of make this commitment to like, hey, we're not changing the rules, you know, we're not going to do this kind of cycle of revisions good bad like what what do you think it just changes the language with which you are forced to discuss it with your table the fundamental aspect of their game is not changing that's their commitment so the primary mechanic their siege engine is not going to change the way their attribute arrays are configured is probably not going to change but little tweaks here and there of like how things are worded to clarify no big deal but -hmm. there are going to be changes to the way things work and when you, oh, you have the eighth printing. So I interpret that statement this way from my sixth printing. And you have the eighth printing, and it's a little different, and now we have to argue about it. So we're not saying version one versus version six. We're saying printing three versus, it's just a different term for the exact same <laughs> issue. They haven't done anything different than anybody else. Okay. Except for the fact that they're, you know, that, that you know, they will change less, but they're not going to not change at all. And so there, there are changes, and those printings do change. And so you just have a different language to discuss yeah. the changes that you're talking about. That's, that's true. There's, um, you, 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 can't, you cannot escape iteration. It will grab you. I was going to ask you then, you, you talked about, we've talked about different editions, um, yeah. and one thing we wanted to talk about briefly was, does it fracture the fan base? Perhaps, but I think any good table who's having a discussion about what everyone wants to get out of it can find the right tool for the job. If only there was some sort of media, media I could consume as an RPG fan that told me wh- who a particular game was for oh, and yeah. rated them. <laughs> then it would be really great. And fortunately, there is at least one that I'm uh, familiar yeah. with. It's called the RPG Review Board Podcast. That's true. Yes. Uh, shameless plug. Yeah. No, I, but I think that that's actually, in some, in some sense, this whole, this whole project and this podcast comes from a desire to have people learn about these games from experience, our experience, rather than, you know, like sitting down to start a game, being very excited and three sessions in going... Oh, this isn't what I thought it was at all. Because those are the all editions, all versions of RPGs. There's no shelf life on them. And every one of them is a game kit you can pick up and play right now. And they deliver different products. It's worth talking about. Yeah, And each edition, particularly of D&D, has always, with every iteration, updated their rules for grappling.
Yes. I'll let you have it. <laughs> did I did I steal the I slipped the rug right out from underneath? No, no, no. That's perfect. That's perfect. I I shouldn't be the only one who does this. I saw and the I, opportunity and I ran with it.